Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 1. That should be easy enough for you. Genesis chapter 1. I'll be there in just a minute. I want to, um, I'll tell you why I'm going to be talking and teaching briefly out of there in just a minute. Um, But when I took the job as vice president of mobilization at North American Mission Board in charge of church planning in the United States, I started doing some research and getting my mind around the state of Christianity in our country. And you've probably heard some of the stats, you've probably heard some of the things going on that Christianity right now in the United States is one of only two continents where uh, Christianity is not growing. Europe and the United States, it's declining. All the other continents, it's exploding. Um, I want to just give you just a couple of really fast statistics just to show you what I found out. There's one that I saw from Barner Research in 2020. There was a study done and it said the percentage of Americans who qualify as practicing Christians has dropped from 50% in 2009 to 25% in 2020. Now, let me help you guys get your mind around that. That's 11 years, 2009 to 2020, and in that time, This is actually shocking when you just stop and think about it for a second. But the number of people that qualified themselves as a practicing Christian dropped by half in a 10-year span. Now, that's 10 years. That's not very long. And we saw the number decline by half in one single decade. Here's another one that I found. This was um, done by Lifeway Research in July of 2021. And this is just how people view the Bible. This one probably won't be that shocking, but in 2021, Lifeway Research, a record low of 20% of Americans now say the Bible is the literal word of God, down from 24% in 2017. And so only one in five Americans, only one in five Americans that you meet out there think the Bible is the literal word of God. And it goes on, I won't bore you with it, but it goes on to say that the vast majority of people in the United States think the Bible is just a collection of stories and fables. Four out of five Americans think that. I mean, think about the implications of that on our culture. The way that we think about marriage as Christians, the way we think about abortion as Christians, the way we think about sexuality, about gender, we are in the vast minority as followers of Christ. One, One last statistic. This may not mean a lot to you, but the implications are pretty immense. That in our convention, you guys are Second Baptist, Conway, Arkansas, Second Family. You don't talk about Baptists a lot, but here's the thing. That's part the convention we're a part of. In our convention in 2019, it was the first year in our history that more churches died than were planted. More Southern Baptist churches died than were planted, and that's been a trend that's continued to escalate to the last four or five years. Bottom line, guys, we are heading in the wrong direction. We're heading in the wrong direction. As a matter of fact, we have seen, over the last 10 years, since 2013, we've seen the greatest statistical decline 
and Christianity in the history of our country. Y'all look young down here. College students, let that sink in. The greatest statistical decline in United States history happened in the last 10 years. And what hit me like a ton of bricks as I processed that and thought about that as a 49-year-old guy that's been pastoring for about 27, 28 years, that happened on our watch. That happened on our watch. The generations before us handed us the torch to live out the Great Commission. And when they handed us the torch, we have seen the greatest statistical decline in Christianity in American history. I think some things need to change. And what that tells me, what that tells me is that I think there are a lot of things that, that, um, that are causing that, but the question is, is why is Christianity exploding all over the world but not in the United States? Why is that occurring? And I think one of many answers, but I'm gonna give you one I'll talk about briefly today. I, I believe with all my heart that our missional strategy in the United States is just not working. The way that we think about church, the way that we do church, it's not working. And I would, I would venture to say, and I hope this doesn't offend everybody, this is just my opinion, based on my understanding of scripture, that the way that the vast majority of churches in the United States think about doing church is honestly even unbiblical. And when I say that, what do I mean? Like, what do I mean by missional strategy? I'm saying that how do most churches think about reaching lost people? in your city, in your state, in the nation? How do most churches, what is it that they're doing in order to engage the culture with the gospel? What do, what do we do? Most churches, and this is not bad, it's, not, it's wonderful. There's many people whose lives have been changed by this. I planted a church, we did this, so I'm not dogging it. I'm just thinking about missional strategy. We start a church somewhere, and then we build a building, and we start some programs, and we have worship services, so all that's great, and then what do we do from there? We try to get as many people as we can to come to our church. And that's kind of where it ends. The overwhelming majority of churches build a building, start programs, have worship service, and then we try to see how many people we can get to come to our church. And that's great, unless that is where it ends. If that is the end of our missional strategy, trying to get people to come to our church, that is the part that's not biblical, and that, my friends, is the part that is not working. I would venture to say that if we have a shot of making a significant impact in the United States over the next 10, 20 years, we've got to shift our missional strategy from one that's build a building, get people to come to our church, and we need to start thinking in terms of multiplication. What do I mean by multiplication? Multiplication is that when you, as an individual Christian, view yourself as a missionary. Do you? I'm just asking you to think about yourself. Do you view yourself as a missionary in whatever sphere of influence God has you? Um, great preacher Charles Spurgeon said that every follower of Christ is either a missionary or an imposter. In other words, there's no such thing, what he's saying. There's no such thing 
as a follower of Christ that is not a missionary for Jesus Christ. The, the, Jesus did not just give the great commission to foreign missionaries, he gave it to you and to me. Would y'all agree with that? We have to, that's what multiplication, so when you hear me say multiplication, I'm gonna say a lot of it in the next few minutes, that's what I'm talking about, is that you as an individual follower of Christ view yourself as someone that has the responsibility and calling by God to make disciples. Not just Pastor Josh, not just guys like me, not just worship leaders, not foreign missionaries, but you. There's gotta be a shift in the American church where the everyday person sitting in the pews views themselves as responsible to live out the calling to fulfill the Great Commission. That's the first part of it. So individual believers need to view themselves as missionaries and disciple makers who in turn will go out and view themselves as missionaries and disciple makers. Then I think churches in terms of multiplication, churches have to have a similar concept Churches need to be thinking in terms of not how many people we can get to come to our church and that's in, that's where it ends, but churches I think need to shift and be thinking how can we grow, how can we get people to come to our church so that they can be trained and equipped and then sent from our church out into the mission field, wherever that is, for the glory of God. And then once that start ha starts happening, where you as an individual Christian start making disciples and they start making disciples and they start making disciples and then churches start reproducing themselves and they plant more churches who plant more churches who plant more churches who plant more uh, churches, then there's a multiplying, compounding effect that will happen and you will see our country change. How do I know that? Because that, what I just described, is happening all over the world but right here. We're too busy trying to add when God calls us to multiply. Now, is that missional strategy that I just threw at you, this multiplying concept, is, is that biblical? Is it biblical? Did, is that just some strategy that a few pastors got together, you know, Pastor Josh and some of his buddies, you know, this is what we ought to do. We ought to get Christians, everyday Christians to be missionaries wherever God has them. And oh yeah, we ought we to get churches to think about how they can reproduce themselves over and over again. Is that biblical? The answer is yes. This idea of multiplication is something that we see from the very beginning to the very end of scripture. It's all through it. As a matter of fact, I think we can make a strong biblical argument that this idea of multiplication is God's primary plan to take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let's just start at the very beginning. Y'all turn with me real quick. I'm gonna get a drink of water. Turn with me to Genesis chapter one, verse 27. All right, here we go. Thinking in terms of God's plan, take the message of the gospel of the nation being multiplication. Genesis 1, 27, it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and, say it with me, multiply. There it is, right there, right at the very beginning of the Bible. It says, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, I read that for years and just thought, you know, he's just talking about, hey, make sure you go have babies and fill the earth, but there's something else going on there. God's telling them to multiply so that they can fill the earth with his image bearers. 
God's telling them to multiply so that they could fill the earth with image bearers that display his glory. And here's the other thing that hit me, is that's in the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. Right out of the blocks, very first chapter, very first book of the Bible, and the, it's the very first thing God ever commands man and woman to do. Have you ever thought about that? That the very first command he ever gives them is, hey, I want you to go and I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth with bears of my image. Before the fall of man, you see this idea of multiplication. Then, what happened? Adam and Eve, they sin, y'all know the story. And sin spreads throughout the earth and it gets really bad and God looks at man, he looks at earth and the scripture says that he saw that the thoughts of their heart were only evil continually and so God decides that he's gonna start over. So he tells Noah, I want you to build an ark, build a big old ship, I want you and your family to get into it and I'm gonna send a flood, I'm gonna take, take everybody out, I'm gonna save you a remnant. And so they build an ark, they get in it, everybody thinks they're crazy but it starts raining Rain fills the earth, water fills the earth, and then eventually water subside, rain subside. They walk out of the ark, and I want you to listen to the very first thing that God says to them as they walk out of the ark. Genesis 8, 16. Turn there if you want to. I'm just gonna start moving quickly. Genesis 8, 16. First thing God says to them. He says, go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that they may swarm on the earth. And there it is, watch it. And be fruitful and multiply on the earth. There it is again. So the very first thing God tells man in the garden, multiply, fill the earth with bears of my image. Very first thing he tells his people after the flood, multiply, fill the earth with bears of my image. Okay, then... Let's keep going. Time goes by. What happens next? A lot of things happen, but then God starts getting real serious about putting into motion this grand story of redemption and seeing the earth filled with image bearers and glory, his glory. And so he comes to this guy named Abraham. And he says, Abraham, look up. I want you to look up. Check that out. He says, Abraham, see all those stars? There's a bunch of them in there. Abraham's like, yeah. It's too hard to even count, isn't it? Yeah, there's so many of them. And then God looks at Abraham. And then in Genesis 22, 17 says this. I want you to watch what God says to Abraham. God says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply. There it is, multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand on the seashore. Now, let me ask you guys a theological question. Don't shout it out. But when God came to Abraham, said, check out the stars. He said, I am going to multiply your offspring like the stars or the sand. Was he talking just about Abraham's physical lineage? lineage? He was not. That was God calling his shot. That was God ultimately pointing to Jesus. That was God saying, Abraham, there's gonna be somebody that's gonna come through your line. It's gonna be from your lineage, but he's gonna be a Messiah. He's gonna be a savior, and through the savior of the world, through this Messiah that's gonna come through your line, 
The people of God are gonna be multiplied all over the earth. Every single nation that's ever lived or ever will live from this point forward will be blessed by God through this Messiah. That's God talk, that's multiplication, y'all with me? That's talking about a, a viral kind of spreading kind of thing. God's calling his shot. I'm gonna fill the earth with my image bearers and it's gonna happen through multiplication. There's something, actually a couple things here that God says that I think it's important for us to remember because this seems like a big task. This idea of reaching our country, this idea of filling the earth with his image bearers, this idea of multiplying his image bearers all over the earth. There's a couple of things that God says here that's really crucial for us to remember, okay? Here's, uh, here's kind of the first thing. I want you to hear this, that God says that's important. God looks at Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to know something. He says, Abraham, I'm going to multiply your offspring. Why is that important? Because God says he's gonna do it. He didn't say, Abraham, you need to go out there and try really hard to do this. God says, Abraham, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna multiply your offspring and fill the earth with my image bearers. But there's, there's something else God said there that I think is really crucial for us to remember as, as missionaries. Two times God said it. Did you catch what it was? There's one word God says two times. It's the word surely. Surely. Number one, God said, Abraham, surely I will bless you. Second, God said, Abraham, surely I will multiply your offspring. That's important. You know what that tells me? That God's sure this is gonna happen. And I don't know about you. I don't know about you guys, but I figure if God said something is surely gonna happen, it's surely gonna happen, amen? It's going to happen. Here's my point. God is all in on this concept of multiplication. God is all in on this idea of filling the earth with bears of his image. And because God is all in, he's committed, it's surely going to happen. What that means is it is a foregone conclusion. We win, we prevail, this will occur. You see it at the beginning, before the fall, you see it after the fall, and then you start seeing it in prophecy. God starts speaking, this idea of multiplication, he starts speaking to prophets and he, he gives them visions of the future and you begin to see through visions of the future through these prophets this idea of multiplication beginning to form. In Psalms 22, 27, this is one of the prophets speaking and listen to what he says as he saw into the future by the, by the, by the power of the Spirit the prophet said, the psalmist said, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship you. I love that. Whenever I'm getting discouraged in ministry, I read that verse. Whenever I, I think what I, what I do is not working or doesn't matter, I read that verse. And there was a point in time where the Holy Spirit of God spoke to a prophet in Psalm 22. And the guy looked forward and he saw the end. And this is what he saw, that all the ends of the earth are going to remember and turn to the Lord. They're all going to remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations are going to worship him. 
God's all in. This will happen. Then, you don't just see this idea of multiplication in the Old Testament. You see it in the New. This idea not of just trying to get a few people to come to our church, but this idea of releasing and sending and and growing and multiplying and compounding. You see it in the New Testament. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read you three quick verses. I want you to look for the M word. Here it is. Acts 5.14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He sends the Spirit. At Pentecost, the Spirit breaks out, and then it says more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. It keeps going in Acts chapter 6. It says the Word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And then Acts chapter nine, verse 31, you see it again. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Are y'all seeing a pattern here? It's from the beginning And to the end of scripture, you see it before the fall, you see it after the fall, you see it in the prophets, you see it in the book of Acts, you see it in the New Testament, and then finally, you see it at the end of scripture. You see the end result of God's plan of multiplication in the book of Revelation, chapter seven, verse nine, John the Revelator says, as he saw the end, he says, after this I looked, And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. That is the end. We win. Through the power of Almighty God, we win. This works. John saw the end, and he's like, man, I remember when I was young, John's like reading what God said to Abraham, that he's gonna bless every nation in the whole world, that there's gonna be more of God's followers that you can even count. And then as John sees the picture in Revelation standing around the throne, he looks and's like, whoop, there's more people there than I can count. And then he's hearing languages from all over the world, from every tribe he's never even heard of, and he's like, God is true to his word. This will come to pass. And so the question that I have for you today is very simple. The question is not whether or not this idea of multiplication is God's plan. The question is whether or not you're gonna engage in it. The question is not whether God has laid out a clear strategy for us to take the message of the gospel to the nations. There's no question in that. The question is, are you going to engage in it? Or are you just gonna engage in some other missional strategy that's of man that is not working? I think we gotta get to a place where we stop looking at this biblical model of multiplication as some strategy that we may or may not do. 
And we've got to start looking at it as a calling, a biblical calling that we must obey. Okay? But that requires intentionality. That requires intentionality. You think, what can I do? I'm just a person. We're just one church. Well, that's okay. All of Christianity just started with a handful of people and one church. I think we underestimate what God can do. Last time I checked, if you're a Christian here today, you have inside of you the power of the resurrection. Do you believe that? You, you, I, I forget that at times. I know, I know we do. You have inside of you the Holy Spirit of God. You have inside of you the power that raised Christ from the grave. We've gotta start asking the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I say yes to this plan you've been enacting since the very beginning? I think for churches, real fast, I think churches, like here's what this means for churches. It means that, it means that you change the definition of success. I think churches all across the United States, we've gotta change the definition of success. We've gotta, we've gotta, We've, we've got to stop defining success by how many people we can get to come to our church. And we've got to start defining success by how many people we can release from our church so that they can live in the calling God has placed on their life through the power that lives inside of them right now. That's how we started out defining success. We've got to then measure success differently. How do, every church I've ever been a part of whether a pastor wants to admit it or not, they're measuring success by how many people come, right? What's our attendance? Y'all go sometime and hang out with a group of pastors and, and y'all uh, make a bet. Well, y'all Baptists don't bet, but you make a bet at like how long it gets them before they start talking about their attendance. We measure success wrong. What if we stop measuring success by how many people can come and start measuring success by how many people we release? Intentionality is gonna mean that we have to start caring more about the kingdom of God and its growth than the name of our church and its growth. That's not easy to do. It takes intentionality, but it also takes intentionality on your part. And as I land the plane today, I just want you to ask yourself the question, God, what do you want from me? And even more important than asking the question, asking him for the strength that if he answers that in a way you might not expect it, that your answer to him is yes. That your answer, maybe it is as simple, maybe it's as simple as you getting up tomorrow morning and when your feet hit the floor, saying, Lord, would you use me today in my workplace, in my school, in my neighborhood, in my circle of friends for your glory? God, would you give me an opportunity today to talk about your name? And just doing that, just getting up for a few days and, and, and turns into a week and a couple of months. God, would you use me today? And then when the Spirit leads you, jump in. College students, oh my gosh, what this might mean for you, there's no telling. I, I had a dream that I was gonna go be a doctor and, and make money and do all that stuff and God just wrecked that out and here I am standing here today, but I wouldn't do anything different than what he wanted for my life. God may be calling you <laughs> 
God may be calling you things you could have never even dreamed of, and it's better than your wildest imagination. I think maybe intentionality means for you that you just simply surrender the American dream and lay it down at the altar and say, God, I'll do whatever it is you want. Send me wherever it is you want me to go. My church in Austin is called the Austin Stone. We used to pray a prayer. The very beginning, it just kind of came out of us. And we used to pray, Lord, I was like 27, but scared, didn't know what I was doing. I was like, God, would you do something through this church that I started? Would you do something, God, so big, so beyond our imagination that years from now, when we look back on it, the only explanation for how that happened, God, is that you did it. Does that make sense? It just came out of me one time. God, would you do something so big through us that when we look back on it years from now, the only explanation for how it happened is that God, you did it. Can't explain it by gifting, by preaching, by programs, by music. God, you did it, and he did. I wish I had more time, I'm running out of time. I've got 57 seconds, so I gotta land the plane here real fast. God came to me one day, he said, man, I feel like the Lord is, is leading us to send 100 missionaries from our church full-time from Austin for two years to unreach people groups all over the world. You know what unreach people group is? That's where you go if you want to get martyred, okay? And when he said that, I thought, okay, whatever. Most churches maybe send one, two, three missionaries over the course of a generation. He's talking about 100 for two years to unreach people groups. I said, all right, man. This is what I said. I was like, you build the systems. I'll preach about it. We'll see what happens. About six months later, He's like, all right, let's do this. I got some systems ready. Been talking to the International Mission Board. Let's see what happens. So I preached a three-week series on going to the nations. My church is full of college kids, full of college kids. The last night, we did an informational meeting. Anybody could come that was interested in finding out more information about leaving Austin and going to some crazy place where they might get killed for two years in the name of Jesus Christ. And I honestly thought maybe five or six people would show up to it. I said amen on the sermon, I walked out the door, I was walking down the hallway, going to the room that we were supposed to have the meeting in, and that young kid, this idea, that the vision it was that God gave him, he came running, I'll never forget this, he came running up, and he said, man, we had to move rooms. I was like, why? And he said, there's 517 people in there. I said, what? 517 people trying to get martyred? Amazing. I think it shows the pent up desire of the body of Christ to get in the fight for the glory of God. Pastors, we gotta give them the opportunity. Over the next 10 years, we sent 320 full, 320 full-time vocational missionaries to unreached people groups. We're one of the, by the grace of God, one of the largest mission sending churches in the history of the United States. And one of the last things I did before God called me to a different church back in 2020, I'll never forget this. I cried like a baby. I was sitting at my desk. Someone slid me a piece of paper and said, hey, we, we compiled the stats of the number of people that got saved, the number of churches that were planted over the last year by our missionaries. We call them a 100 people group. So the number of folks that got saved, number of church plant, they're a 100 people group. And I looked 
and I lost it. There was 10,128 salvations that year, and there were 328 churches that were started all over the world. That's multiplication. My story, our story could have been how many people came to the Austin Stone Community Church. Instead, we prayed a crazy prayer. God, would you do something so big that we look, look back on it. The only explanation, God, is that you did it, and he did, and he multiplied it. And there's people coming to know Jesus all over the world more than we could ever count. What's God asking of you? What's God asking of this church? I don't know, but I think we ought to ask God. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.